Well, good morning. What a joy it is to be together. How good it is to sing of the goodness of Jesus. Well, my name is Jason, uh, one of the pastors here at Community Church, and I'm really glad that each and every one of you is here today. Whether you've been following Jesus for a long time or you're just getting started, whether you know the scriptures well or whether the Bible is brand new to you, whether you are fully committed or you're just trying to figure it out, I am really glad that you're here. I'm also thrilled that we've got our kids in here today. It is good to be together as families, and I want to kind of get us ready for that a little bit uh, here this morning. Uh, We've got some special stuff for the kids, and here at Community Church, every now and then we bring the kids into big church, and we can learn together. And I I believe that's that's a beautiful thing for us. We don't just tolerate kids, we delight that they're here. So if you get the wiggles a little bit, that's okay. I do too sometimes. It's hard for me to sit still, so if you've got to wiggle a little bit, that's all right. We got a packet of stuff for you. And as I was looking through this, I thought, you know what? This is good for everybody. There's a little sermon notes for kids sheet that talks about like the, the main idea and the passage and all that kind of stuff. There's stuff you can color. We've got wiki sticks. We've got crayons. The whole deal. All right, that's a beautiful thing, and we are really glad that, uh, that you're here to worship with us as families. And let me say this to, my, to parents out there, I'm really glad you're here with your kids, because what they see in you, what you really care about, what you really do, speaks volumes. So if you're excited about being here, about worshiping, about studying God's Word, it's going to be a lot easier for them to be that someday too. So just really super thankful that uh, you're here. We do have uh, stuff for adults too. Your little sermon notes thing is not as exciting. I guess if you really want crayons, we can get you some. But uh, I do want to draw your attention to a few things in the bulletin. Matt already mentioned first steps, but uh, Keep in mind that we do have the Rooted Summit coming up this weekend. That's a big deal. That's a great opportunity to to really learn and engage and and really strengthen your biblical worldview. Lots of classes coming up, uh, not this week, but next week. So great opportunities. As as a church who, as a community who sees and shares the hope of Jesus together, we want everyone growing. And that's not a solo operation. That's in community. That's in groups. That's in classes. So we want to give you opportunities to do just that. Well, this morning, um, let me take you to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. That's where we'll do our teaching from this morning. Matthew 9, 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest 
to send out laborers into his harvest. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its encouragement, and we thank you for its challenge. Father, I pray right now for each person who has come into this space, each person who is listening online, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that you would work through the words that I believe that you've put on my heart. I ask that you burn off whatever is not of you this morning. And Holy Spirit, teach us, guide us if we come here mourning, if we come here in pain, we ask that you would give us hope this morning. If we come in apathy, if we come with complacency, if we come with fatigue, Give us what we need through your word and your spirit this morning. Jesus, it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Let me start you with a question this morning. Did you pray this week? Did you pray? Humor me. Raise your hand if you prayed at all this week. That's good. Did you pray for somebody? I bet you did. Somebody's physical needs, somebody's emotional needs, maybe somebody's material needs. That is a beautiful thing. God answers prayer. Let me ask you another question, though, this morning. Who are you the answer to prayer for? That's an ugly question. With all those prepositions, I couldn't get it any better than that. But you are the answer to somebody's prayer this morning. Whose prayer are you the answer to this morning? That's my question to you. If if you're a kid, if you're a student, if you're 85, whose prayer might you be the answer to this morning? That's the question. Some of you know right away, I just saw somebody shrug right now. Say, I don't know. Before you leave today, I want you to be able to answer that question. Whose prayer are you the answer to this morning? Well, we're going to finish our series in compassion this morning. Quick review. Week one, we looked at this idea that conflict and tension. Anybody experiencing those in life right now? can be an opportunity, can be a window for God to work and for you to exercise compassion. We too, we said that Jesus always responds with compassion to the real prayer of faith. That very simple prayer, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. If you are getting started and you are wrestling with things right now, that is a simple prayer that you can pray to get started in your journey. Last week we said it's the Holy Spirit that cuts through whatever keeps you from seeing and compels you to act with the compassion of Jesus. It's part of what the Holy Spirit does. 
This morning, and kids, I want you to hear me on this, the very simple truth, one of the big takeaways today will be very simply that you are the answer to someone's prayer for help and for hope. That you are the answer to somebody's prayer. Now, as we look at God's Word this morning, I want to begin where we always want to begin, and that's by looking carefully at Jesus. Writer of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So that's where we want to begin. We want to see Jesus clearly. And what do we see in this passage? We see a record of what Jesus does. We see a record of his compassion. Verse 35, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. We see a beautiful picture of Jesus in his compassion in action. He's teaching. He's proclaiming. He is healing. We see a clear picture of compassion from Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, do you have that clear biblical picture of compassion? Not just compassion in general, but compassion in particular demonstrated by the greatest administer of compassion the world has ever seen, Jesus Christ. Do you have that picture in your mind? We've asked the kids to, we've got the word compassion. They can literally color in that picture of compassion. I believe, though, one of our challenges is, as followers of Jesus, we don't always have a clear picture of that. We may have even defaced that picture. Has everything you've done brought glory and honor to Jesus this week? I would have to look in the mirror and say, no, it has not. In what ways might God be saying, hey, maybe you, maybe I, maybe we are an obstacle to people seeing the compassion of Jesus. So maybe we simply just need to confess that and ask for forgiveness and ask the Spirit to just guide us. But there's a picture of compassion that we need to see. And and, and sometimes our our picture of Jesus is just in that two-dimensional domain. We need a richer picture. In a world that has all kinds of information, all kinds of ways, all types of opportunities that are competing for our attention, do we see a vivid, 3D, multi-dimensional picture of Jesus? That's the challenge. So the first thing is we have a record of the compassion of Jesus. Second thing I believe that the passage teaches us, there is a reality of what Jesus 
sees. If we have this clear picture of Jesus, we cannot help but respond with worship. And as we look into Jesus' compassion, as we see, as we begin to hopefully see as he sees, we see the reality of the need. Verse 36, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. First of all, Jesus sees the need and he describes the need. He gives us a why of his compassion. This word compassion, as we've emphasized in the series, this is a gut-level response. The ancients really didn't have this concept of a brain like we think of it, but everything was in the gut. Those were some of the categories they thought through. So it's a gut-level response. Now, what does he see? He sees that the people are harassed and helpless. They're torn apart. They're thrown down. In the Greek, the suggestion in the words is there's a, there's a disconnection. There's a throwing away of people. Jesus sees that. He sees that. Now we can look at this historically and we know at this time there's, there's oppression from the Roman government, that there's oppression from the Pharisees. They've put all these laws upon laws and there's all layers of hypocrisy and that's what the people are experiencing. But there's even a deeper spiritual poverty going on here, a deeper spiritual need, a reality of sin, a reality of distance from God, a reality of the pain and the brokenness of life. Whether it's from the outside, whether it's from the inside, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual. John 10.10, the verse right before uh, Grant read for us, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, the evil one. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So there is a spiritual battle, there's a spiritual attack, there's a spiritual harassment that is going on. Jesus sees the need, the reality of it. The reality that we are in need of rescue. We are in need of rescue. And then Jesus uses this phrase. He says they are sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. To his audience at this particular time, as they would have heard that, perhaps they would have gone back to Moses and Joshua, when Moses died, you know, the Scripture tells us in Numbers that uh, Joshua was appointed because they did not want to be sheep without a shepherd. They did not want to be without leadership. So at one level, 
This is a critique of the spiritual leaders of the time, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, that the outside and the inside didn't match up. They couldn't see Jesus for who he was. And in the absence of that, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. As we heard earlier, my sheep hear my voice. I love the way the apostle Peter puts it. 1 Peter 2.24, he says, talking about Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. He's going to quote Isaiah. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer or guardian of your souls. Or as Eugene Peterson puts it concisely in the message, you were lost sheep with no idea who you were or where you were going. Now you're named and kept for good by the shepherd of your souls. If you feel like you are astray, you are without a without direction. The invitation is very simple to come to Jesus this morning and say, I believe, help my unbelief, meet me where I am, please. The second part of this, though, there is an urgency and importance and a challenge of the opportunity. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. That's part of the reality that Jesus sees. He sees that they're helpless, they're harassed. He sees that they're a sheep without a shepherd. And he sees the reality and the urgency, the importance and the challenge of the opportunity before him. This phrase, harvest, is an important one. We're not as agricultural as we used to be. Jesus often taught in, with agricultural metaphors. So there was a, a harvest, a time to bring the crop in. I want to take you to John 4, verse 31. This is after Jesus has ministered to the woman at the well. And she has gone and she has shared the gospel with the people in her town. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? They were always so literal. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. 
I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. There is an opportunity, friends. As we look out and we see the reality of the needs in front of us, as we see the brokenness, the lostness, the disorientation, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Do you see those needs and opportunities before you today? I was encouraged the last couple of weeks. Um, church can be a funny business sometimes. There is a business side to church. Whether we like it or not, there is a business side to church. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can, we can become oriented that way perhaps too much. And we can look at other churches and we can say, hey, they're encroaching on our market share. There can be competition. I've had the opportunity the last couple of weeks to meet with other pastors in town. And that has just been such an encouragement because what it, what it reminds me of is what we're about is bigger than just our church. And if we were to look at this community right now at 1014 on a Sunday morning, where are most people in our community? They are probably not inside the walls of a church. If we filled up all these seats and Brock and Danny and, my, and all, these, Matt, all these other pastors at other churches, if they filled up their seats, there'd still be a lot of people sitting at home on a Sunday morning. So it's about time we work together and we say, Lord Jesus, how do you unite us? How do we work together to reach our community? And friends, where it's in, whether it's in the mental health space or some evangelism opportunities, I believe God is breathing a spirit of collaboration in our community. That's a good thing. I'm going to share more here in a second. But I've had to confess a little bit and say, look, as I saw some of these other guys at other churches, I'm like, whew, whew, I need to pray for you, brother. Because you know what? You all are about the same things. You're about the gospel. It was interesting, had the, the, the blessing of uh, having my, my adult kids back in town for the long Labor Day weekend. And one of the great joys, well, can I give you 30 seconds of parenting right now? All right. Sure, I got, a, I got affirmation there. But, uh, you know, one of the things, you want your kids to want to come back and spend time with you. That's a good thing. And you want your kids to follow Jesus, and when they don't have to come to church, you want them to want to come to church. That's a good thing. Three kids, okay? One, they're all married. In case you don't know, I've got a grandbaby. I won't say any more than that. I'll use, exercise some discipline. But three different churches, Claire and Andrew are here, right here in the community at the church, great, great. Johnny and his wife, uh, Sadie, are in uh, Chicago. Seth and his wife, Shelby, are in Denver. And they've been in the process of finding churches. 
And oh, it just made my heart sore to know that they actually want to go to church. Not all PKs, that instantly happens. That's pastor's kids, if you don't know that, right? It's not the easiest thing to do in the world. But they go to different styles of church. One's a little more stripped down. One's like the screen comes down and it's, it's a big concert. And, it's, and you know what? As I've looked at it, they're all preaching the gospel. <laughs> and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And we live in a time right now where there's, you know, if you pay attention to church world and news, it seems like there's scandal after scandal. And that's what gets the headlines. And you hear about this and you hear about that. But I believe that the vast majority of churches that are preaching the Bible and preaching the gospel are doing good things. And we ought to unite. And our critique of the workers should never get in the way of the work that we do. That's a whole other sermon. But I want to take you to what this means for us. There's a response that Jesus commands. There's a response that Jesus commands. Let me take you to verse 38. Because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. The need is so great, friends. So what does Jesus say? Therefore, pray earnestly. That's not flippantly. Earnestly. That's with some intensity. That's with them, some intentionality. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus gives us a clear command. You look out, you see the need, you see that the workers are few. Pray. Pray earnestly for workers. Pray. God, send people. And as I was reflecting on this this week, I was reminded, that's just the way God works. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus gathers his disciples. He says, you know what? I'm going to do all the, Jesus says, I'm going to do all the work. You just sit back and relax, and I'm going to zap people. And that's how they're going to come to faith in Christ. It's not what he says. He gathers them together. He says, all authority, all authority has been given to me says Jesus. He is the Lord of the harvest. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And I will be with you until the end of the age. That's how God works. That's his plan. He works through us. That's the call. He is building a community. There's something about the way God works that it is through his people. So pray yes, 100%. And you can be the answer to the faithful disciples' prayers for helpers in our hurting community's cry for help. If we follow the logic of that, think about those who have gone before us, praying, send workers, 
send workers. That's us. We have that opportunity to step into. You and I personally, us collectively, we have the opportunity to step into that. Kids, you've got that opportunity. You may have somebody that nobody else likes in class. Somebody that gets bullied, somebody that gets left out. You may be a friend to that person. That may be how you represent Jesus. This week, Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2.8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork or workmanship created in Christ Jesus to, good work, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. Before the foundations of the world were created, God had work in mind for you and I to do. I can't pretend to understand how that all works. But somehow God works through prayers that call for people to go and make disciples. And we get to be a part of that. What a glorious truth. Now, let's talk about our time for just a moment. Let's talk about our community. Let's talk about our needs. As I see the compassion of Jesus, you know, the church in different eras of history have done different things. You know, you think back to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago when you had the plagues and the church would rush in and they would care for people. They would risk their lives. You think of places where God's word, and we still do this today, but the people didn't have God's word. They couldn't read it. They couldn't understand it. And the church would do the hard work of translations and, and, and doing those things. Or where there's, you know, there's a reason why they call it the Red Cross. The church has been at the forefront of compassion. So what is the opportunity for us today? Here's what I see in our community. And I'll just make it personal. Um, so about five years ago, uh, my youngest uh, left for college. And uh, one of his best friends um, attempted suicide. It's really hard. There's a positive end to that story. It's in progress. A couple of weeks later, I get a call from him, and Kim and I are out on a walk, and Dad, something bad has really happened. And then click. Don't do that to me. I don't find out till about an hour later what has happened. One of the kids on his team, a senior um, captain of the football team, had... Um, died by suicide. And as I reflect on that, and I, that's, that's a few years ago, and as I look at my own um, just observations of family, uh, close friends who have battled anxiety, battled depression, battled mental health stuff, there is a reality to that right now. 
in the pandemic has just turned up the knob on that. That's a real need that we have in our community. And one of my prayers has been, Lord, what can I do? What can we do? Sometimes it'd be easier to just pick up a hammer and build a house or do a food packing thing. And, and this, the mental health stuff's really, it's really hard and it's challenging. There's a reality of the need. God's taken me in some of my own journey and um, I've had some therapy. I've, I've learned that there is a such thing as emotional awareness and just stuffing things forever is not super helpful. And I know some of you have been on that journey too, and we applaud that, and we say, that's, that's good. But God, how are you sending workers? What does that look like for us? And I believe God has brought some incredibly gifted and experienced people on our team, on our staff team, that have insight, that have experience. You heard from Jess a little bit last week, and, and these, these little bracelets that... Uh, that we have, God, I believe, is working through some collaboration with other churches on some things we can do. And uh, this week in particular, some really cool things happened. And I just even remembered this. Uh, do, you ever, do you ever see God answer prayer and it, it takes you a few minutes to say, this is how that prayer was answered specifically? Well, uh, Pastor Dean, our discipleship pastor, he kind of leads uh, Monday devotions with our staff. And we were praying for open doors. Open doors. What's that look like? And then um, we did these uh, wristbands last week. And, you know, this is September is, you know, Suicide Awareness Prevention Month. And we're trying to make a difference in that. And, uh, you know, we handed out these. And then some of our kids ended up um, taking them to Greenwood High School and wearing them. And I think there's a picture here if, uh, if we've got it. And this is... Uh, yeah, the, the bald head guy, that's a buddy of mine. Uh, some of you know Coach Watson at Greenwood. He, he won't believe that, I quote, that I'm referencing him in a sermon. <laughs> Dear friend, we've coached together, but he took that and he said, you know what, I'm all in. I'm, what CCG is doing, what those kids are doing, you know, this says uh, tomorrow needs you and there's a, there's a suicide hotline number on the back and just talked about how that can save lives. And Coach Watson was like, hey, I'm, I'm all in on this. And we're praying for open doors. And then we said, you know, what if all these kids are coming up to TJ and saying, hey, how can I get one of these? And then we, you know, somebody, um, one of the parents of one of our kids in the ministry, like donated the money so we can have, we can hand them out to every middle school, high school student. It's a baby step. It's a baby step. But it is a step into, and just said, you know, to, to shine a light in the dark and hard places. I just wanted to share that with you. And then what can you do? What can you do? i got to wrap this up here. But we can pray, and we can pray earnestly. Pray for me, pray for our team, pray for our churches. We have real need in our community, and we got to come together. You can serve. We've got great opportunities Sunday morning, Wednesday night. Uh, our parents need people to hold babies and take care of kids and have a great environment for them. 
We can give, and we can simply have open eyes to see the need and share. So friends, I would just invite you today, as we see the compassion of Jesus, and we see the depth of the need, may you respond as the Lord leads. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love, your grace, all those things. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. And through your Holy Spirit, may we be the answer that points people to the real answer to you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.